Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That certainly seems to be the case, but now the question is going to be for teams that aren't taking part in Divisional Weekend, like Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers, where do they go? More than a handful need a head coach. We're still waiting for our first vacancy to be filled. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including Reese Davis, to look back on a college football season unlike any other will join us on the Goodyear Hotline. That's coming up in just about 10 minutes from now. Very latest key. Let's get your opinion on this as a former Jet legend, Rich Semini, oh, who God. covers the team for ESPN. <laughs> You told me to say that during the break, didn't you? Like, <laughs> hey! No, okay, there you Zubin. go. Okay. There you go. Zubin loses. Zingers by Zubin. Just, just following gotcha. orders. Just following orders. Zubin's wearing a tie? <laughs> Sweater vest with the tie. Sweater vest with the tie. Um, the Jets are focused on 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala. He's been there for the last four years. They're meeting with him today in New Jersey. They've already met with him, so he would be the first candidate to get a second interview. Samini also mentioning the Bills offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, who's a little busy this weekend, is another strong candidate. And if you're wondering, recently departed Eagles head coach Doug Peterson, who has a tie with Jets GM Joe Douglas, since Douglas came from Philadelphia, right now at best appears to be a fallback plan for the Jets. So clearly Sala is in the driver's seat. Key. He is, and, 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 and the thing is, is once you go in at that second interview, that second interview tends to get the deal done, right? I mean, he could be staying over an extra night, press conference, you know, all that sort of stuff a couple of days later. I think that this is a good hire if the Jets decide that this is the direction that they want to go in a lot. Reminds me a lot of Herm Edwards and Rex Ryan, defensive-minded coaches where Herm Edwards was never a coordinator but a, a manager of people. Rex Ryan was somewhat of a coordinator running the defense but also trying to manage everything. They had a lot of success between the two head coaches, and you can get the same thing from Robert Sala, kind of just calm to the surface like a Herm Edwards but fiery like a Rex Ryan. I don't know, Zubin. I, I don't know Robert Sala, but I'll tell you, every time I watch a 49ers game, when I watch him on the sideline, it's such an intensity. There's such a focus. It makes me want to run through the wall for him. And when I hear people talk about him, I think that kind of dynamic between your players and your head coach, somebody that tells you directly what it is and then can motivate you like that, it, it seems like a decent move. Key for him is to find the right offensive coordinator, right? Find the right guy. Maybe you go get a coordinator of sorts from an offensive standpoint because probably he's going to probably run the defense but you get a coordinator that's kind of been a head coach before but really good at calling offense and putting people in the right positions so you know you your first time head coach you kind of want to do something like Sean McVay did with the Los Angeles Rams when he went and hired Wade Phillips a head coach with some mild success but not over top success that just kind of wanted to coordinate and be happy in that position. You don't have to look over your back that he's trying to steal your job and undermine you in that situation. And I think Roberts should do that from an offensive standpoint. Doesn't necessarily have to get involved in the offense, kind of run the defense, let that guy run his unit, and you'll have a lot of success doing it that way. You are an offensive player, but obviously if you take a look at the history of the Jets, this just sort of seems like a good move because Adam Gase was offensively inclined. But if you take a look at the coaches the Jets have had over the course of the last several decades, most of them have been defensive football coaches. There, there have. I mean, you, you, Richie Kotai drafted me. If you know how that went. Yes. Yeah, that didn't go well. Then I inherited Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells inherited me. Better yet, um, in 
he had a staff where he was the CEO. He managed everything and got involved, and we went to the AFC Championship game. He retired. They hired Al, Al Groh, who was a defensive linebacker coach. That didn't go so well. Then Eric Mangini, defensive mind coach, didn't go so well. Or Herm Edwards did okay from a defensive standpoint, but then he got run out of the building and wound up going to Kansas City. Then they hired Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan did well taking him to AFC Championship games, defensive-minded coach. Adam Gase, offense, Ty Bowles, defense. The offensive guys just didn't do well. Uh, defensively, I think if you could hire the right offensive coach to help you do what you want to do to pair with your defense, you could be successful at doing that. And I think one of the biggest indictments for the Jets with Rex Ryan is they didn't really have an offensive-minded coach. He was kind of running through offensive coaches where he was heavy on defense. Had he hired the right offensive coach, he'd still be coaching the Jets to this day. Hmm. They may even have a Super Bowl to this day. Really? I will say this. If Robert Sala is a guy, how much more pressure does that put on who the offensive coordinator is and how much of the ear – uh, that he has of Salah and some of this decision-making about what you do with Sam Darnold, right? That, that's a pretty massive decision to walk into on your first year in a job to say, hey, long-term, does it make sense to keep Sam Darnold or do we let him go for the second pick and maybe take a guy like Justin Fields? Well, I think it, it, all, well, I think it all depends on the offensive mind that you bring in, along with Salah and Joe Douglas. Collectively, as a group, they sit down and discuss what they want to do with that number two pick as a group. Um, in with that quarterback, because if you bring in, you bring in a guy. Here's a guy to me, and I and I played underneath him, and he is a fiery coach, and and has been fired before. Todd Haley, who's sitting on the sidelines as an offensive mind. When you go back, and I go back in the history of his resume, and I look at whether it was receivers he was coaching, or whether it was the offense that he engineered in Arizona that went to the Super Bowl. Then when he left Arizona, Ken Wisenhunt fell flat on his face. He goes to Kansas City. They make the playoffs. He he gets Matt Castle to the Pro Bowl there. Then he goes to Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger has a re, not necessarily a resurgence, but his career kind of took off in that passing game span under Todd. Todd didn't really get a, a – a, 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 didn't – do well in Cleveland because him and Hugh Jackson kind of ran in each other. Not that I'm saying I'm advocate for Todd to get the offensive job, but somebody like that, that has been a coordinator of calling plays and have coached quarterbacks. He coached Kurt Warner when Kurt Warner was at the end in Arizona mm-hmm. and, and helped them get to the Super So you want that type of guy, so to speak, that – can run the offense that's been a head coach. Like I said with Sean McVay and Wade Phillips on the defensive side, Wade Phillips was successful in his own right as a head coach, but more successful as a defensive coordinator and didn't want to be a head coach. Wasn't looking to stab Sean McVay in the back. That's what a guy like Robert Sala needs to get for his offensive coordinator. College game days, Reese Davis is on the way in three minutes, but I want to bring this up because this is something that was mentioned in passing this morning that really caught Key's ear, and it's important because of the, the way the NFL is trying to incentivize minority hiring, and it's being looked at much more closely than it ever has. Right now with the dismissal of Anthony Lynn with the Los Angeles Chargers, you've got Mike Tomlin as an African-American, you've got Brian Flores down in Miami as an African-American, Ron Rivera with the Washington football team, Hispanic head coach. If you're just hearing the name Robert Sala, well, you're Did not- you just name three? 
minorities? Yes. yes. She's. Now, obviously, if you're watching this morning on ESPN News, you might be able to see Robert Sala, but I understand this is a name that's new for many people. He would fulfill that role and be a minority head coach. But earlier this morning, our Dan Graziano said the hottest coach of all white, black, any race, Eric Bieniemy, who's been waiting a couple years to get a head job. Dan said it in passing this morning that I'm not sure Eric Bieniemy is going to get one of these jobs that is open. He said it in such a perfunctory way. He just kind of kept on going. Keep the brakes on and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy's been waiting. He's got Patrick Mahomes, record-setting offenses, and you're telling me again, that really caught me this morning. Well, because it's stupid. And it's not Dan that's saying anything stupid. He's it's just reporting just, it. He's reporting, not Dan. It's just stupid that the people that's doing the hiring would pass on him because they don't want to wait. Wait a minute. The guy's getting ready to make a Super Bowl run. What the hell are you waiting on? Like, all you got to do is hiring. He could do both jobs. He could engineer. He could put his staff together. We see it all the time. Guys getting hired. Even when they're in the playoffs, they're going to sit tight, wait. They're going to take over their new duties when they're eliminated from the playoffs. We see it in college football. Steve Sarkeesian was going for the national title. He was hired three weeks ago, University of Texas. What did he do? Go out and hang whatever amount of points he hung. 52. 52 on Ohio State. Turned out okay. Now he's at Texas, had his press conference, assembled his staff moving forward. It's just shocking to hear that teams don't want to wait. Like, okay, so the Super Bowl runs all the way until January. Senior Bowl may or may not happen. Combine may or may not get pushed back. Okay, so you miss a few days. You don't get a chance to fully evaluate if you make it to the Super Bowl, the Senior Bowl. So what? So what? Hire him. What's the big deal? What if Eric Bainemi wants to stay? What, what if there's a situation? What, what, what's the best job you think would be for him right now? I, I the like Chargers. The, I like the Chargers. That's just uh, but the, but that's we just also me. Know, but we also know the Chargers don't really pay, correct? Not uh, to the same degree that they would pay other. Like, not the same money that you were talking about potentially hearing with guys like Urban Meyer and things of that sort. Yeah, but, but the difference with that, though, Jay, is that Urban Meyer has a track record and a resume that's really long as a head coach, even though it's in college football. It's different. You can't compare Eric Bieniemy to Urban Meyer. You just can't. You, you just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but Eric Bieniemy would certainly get a significant pay raise if it was the Chargers. The Chargers traditionally don't like to – they're not going to spend $12 million on Urban Meyer, and they're not going to spend $12 million on Eric Bieniemy. But Eric Bieniemy would fall in line where first-time head coaches' pays are at, whatever that number is. I don't know what $5 million, $5.5 million. I'm sure he would fall within that no matter what team he goes to. There's no I'm, doubt I'm just posing devil's advocate, Zubin, for mm-hmm. a second. You know, yeah. how, how many teams have a chance to create the run that the Kansas Chiefs are going to have a chance to create? And the way you do that, I mean, I, I know that we've seen situations where it doesn't matter about continuity. You can insert different people to do different things. But if you have Patrick Mahomes, maybe it's critical to him that a guy like Eric Bieniemy stays around for a while in order to help sustain that success. I don't it, know. It, it may be. And I said this weeks ago. Maybe Eric Bieniemy doesn't. Maybe he's comfortable in Kansas City. In the end, he says himself, like Josh McDaniels did with Indianapolis. He took the job originally. Then he said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just going to stay in New England. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe he does that with Kansas City where he doesn't take a job. He just pulls his name back and says, I would prefer to stay in Kansas City. I could take over and be the heir apparent to Andy Reid when Andy Reid steps down. That is fair enough. The Chiefs could be dynastic. We'll have to wait to see. But uh, dynastic in college football, we all saw it Monday night.
That's a little humbleness from a guy, including our next guest, that has essentially said even the legendary Brian isn't in Nick Saban's class anymore. You know, we celebrated the 150th anniversary of college football a few years ago. We've tacked on a few more seasons, but I think it's fair to say that there has been no season like the one that concluded Monday night. We're joined by Reese Davis on the Goodyear Hotline. Reese, good morning. It's great to have you here. Um, Now that we're in the rearview mirror, everything that's happened, the delays, crowning a champion, how would you reflect on a college football season 2020 unlike any we've ever seen? Zubin, it was remarkable simply that we got through it, but I think it was a worthwhile endeavor. It was uh, worthwhile because it gave the players an opportunity to do something that that they wanted to do, uh, many of them pushed to do. And I think when you look around uh, college sports and in talking to athletic directors, uh, the mental health challenges that have come along with the isolation that a lot of uh, people of that age group have felt, uh, this gave a lot of the players a release. I know that's sort of a, a broad, big picture overview of it, but I think it was a worthwhile endeavor. And I think on the field, uh, seeing the obstacles that teams overcame and some sustained excellence from Alabama particularly uh, is something that uh, is memorable. People talked before the season about whether there would be an asterisk uh, by this championship season because of the way it unfolded. I would say there ought to be an exclamation point instead uh, because of the way that the teams persevered and the, and the champion, which I, I think Alabama had as great a season and could make the claim to being the best team. Uh, and talking to Nick Saban yesterday, difference between best and most talented overall, but best team uh, ever in college football based on what they did this year. Nick Saban said his, this, this team has accomplished more than any other team. How will you remember the 2020 Alabama mm-hmm. Crimson Tide, your alma mater? Uh, you know, Key, I, just like he said, I think they've accomplished more than anyone else. And look, I was wrong about a lot of things about them. Uh, Roman Harper and I were talking after the game the other night, and we thought, you know, that uh, with Tua moving on, uh, with uh, Judy and Henry Ruggs going on to the NFL, with losing some guys on defense, they didn't have to come along slowly, rely on the running game. But Mac Jones was just sensational. And Devontae Smith, uh, Keith, you were, you were awesome, awesome receiver in college. The best receiver I had ever seen in college football was Larry Fitzgerald. Everybody in the stadium knew that Pittsburgh had no choice but to try to get the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. And they, nobody could do a darn thing to stop it. After Jalen Waddle got hurt, even with all the array of weapons that Alabama had, people knew that about Devontae Smith, and they still got it to him. So I'll remember this team as, as the most accomplished I've seen in, in my lifetime at Alabama and arguably uh, perhaps in, in college football in my lifetime, and also by one of the great individual performances. There were three of them. Mac Jones and Najee Harris were sensational as well. But what Devontae Smith did this year truly will go down as one of the great seasons uh, and, and among the greatest in the history of the sport. You know, you know, uh, Reese, I said that Devontae is the best wide receiver in the history of college football. It's not even it, – it's not close just based on what he did uh, this year. I don't want to get into errors mm-hmm. and what if and the system and all that, but just – what he did, yeah, much like right. you said, everybody knowing that he's getting the football and he still was able to accomplish some crazy things. Let me ask you this. In terms of the best college football team ever, does this Alabama squad 
rival those of LSU a year ago, a couple Alabamas, the USC great dynasty teams, the Texas one that upset USC. Where does this one fit in with those? It, it, you know, it's hard to rank them. I have to sit down and, and figure things out. There are things that this Alabama offense did this year that exceeded even what uh, Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and that tremendous LSU offense did last year. You're splitting hairs, obviously. I mean, they were great last year, and this Alabama offense was great as well. Uh, I think of the 2004 USC team that I saw in the same stadium just annihilate an excellent Oklahoma team. That was a great uh, football team as well. But I certainly believe this Alabama team uh, deserves consideration among those teams, Key, because, look, they they beat Ohio State, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Texas A&M, all those teams finished in the top five. They beat Georgia, top ten. They beat Florida, who was, you know, top six for most of the year. I mean, you know, they played, they played 13 games in 16 weeks, no breaks. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty remarkable – you can argue talent, and, and people always will, and that's part of the fun of it. But in terms of achievement and uh, the gauntlet set out in front of them, it's going to be hard to top of what they just finished. R.D., we had a conversation yesterday that both Key and I enjoy seeing dynasties. I think the TV ratings would say something different considering they're a little bit down for the, for the Bama game. But when you look at the sports book, it's all the old same favorites for 2022, for next year, 2021-22. Uh, Who's the team outside the apple cart that can actually upset and get into the college football playoffs that can create some tension and some traction? Well, you know, I, I was thinking yesterday, J. Will, I think right now, reserving the right to change my mind, and I'm not sure this really qualifies as being outside uh, since Oklahoma's been to the playoff four times. I think Oklahoma has fixed its defense. Uh, Alex Grinch has done a great job there, so I would look at Oklahoma. But completely outside uh, the group of teams that have made the playoff, that I think, I think Texas A&M has a chance. And, you know, people are going to call me a – uh, quasi-Aggie homer because I had them in the preseason top five this year. I think I did last year, too, and they didn't live up to it last year. Even though they're replacing Kellen Mond, they have young quarterbacks that they're very high on. Their defense, uh, pending some decisions coming up in a few days, uh, is going to largely return intact, and it was a very good group this past year. So I think A&M would be a team to watch uh, in that. And depending on what, uh, what returns at Iowa State, maybe Iowa State is a team that could, that could jump in there and challenge Oklahoma, who I think is, is probably going to be in the preseason top two, uh, maybe three at worst. R.D., are you comfortable with the way the postseason is structured? You know, that's a great question, J. Will. I, I am in some ways. Um, I like the committee. I know people get mad about it, but for years and years, people said, you got to use some human judgment. You can't let the computers spit out an answer, you know. And now that we have that, people are saying, why all this subjectivity? You know, so people are all, <laughs> you know, you and I talk about in terms of sports in terms of sports, when people say you're biased, that means that you don't agree with me. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means you know it means you don't agree with my take on my team. But um, I like the committee. I do think that we're evolving toward the need for evaluation of the structure, and by that I mean if you're if you're going to move to a model that says conference champions get in automatically then you've got to restructure the conferences you can't have division play you can't have some 8 and 4 team you know having a ball bounce off a tuba and upsetting an undefeated team you know having the game of their lives winning the game and then and then somehow get in the playoff you can't have that 
season's too short. This is not basketball. This is not a sport for a giant field. You've got to reward the regular season. So what you have to do is eliminate those divisions and make sure if you're still going to have your conference championship games, the two best teams play. So it's one, two. You're still going to have a little bit of that. Maybe the second place team is nine and three or whatever. You know, so maybe you'll still hit it, but you won't have uh, multiple opportunities on an annual basis. Uh, another idea that I've floated that, and I'm a traditionalist, and it almost makes me choke on my words to say it. But for years, I resisted the notion that people said pick the playoff field after the bowls. I would revisit that under one condition. That's if you move the bowls to earlier in December and sort of played them right after the championship week. I know finals. I know tradition. I know we want to protect New Year's Day. But if you're going to do it that way, reestablish the old bowl ties. Maybe make the bowls important and players enjoy them and getting the swag bag and the trips and all of that stuff. And you play them a little earlier than normal. Then select the team's post bowl. I could get on board with that. I could also get on board with an eight-team uh, eight field and, and perhaps considering playing the first rounds on campus. All of those things, I think, uh, would be reasonable. I think the four-team playoff has served the sport well and is serving the sport well. But I do think that as we continue to grow and evolve, that the time will come to reevaluate the structure. And when we do, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't just you know, pick at it and tweak it a little bit because we're afraid to move too much. I think we're you mentioned, you mentioned the TV ratings, and I'm sorry to go on, on a sermon here, but <laughs> part of it is because viewing habits have changed so much during the pandemic and people are thrown off a little bit and everything. I think that's been a part of it because Alabama, Ohio State, those two brands, uh, almost without fail over the years, would produce blockbuster numbers, and the ratings were still good. I'm not suggesting they weren't. Everything's been down because viewing habits are off. So, you know, I think that we don't just change a little we don't, we don't change so much that we mess things up, but let's be open to evaluating what's best for the sport long term. That's some fascinating insight. Fascinating insight. We spent the last four or five months watching an undefeated team win college football's national championship, and maybe he'll spend the next three watching an undefeated team run through and win college basketball's national championship. Gonzaga is on fire. College game day. Sans Jay. But with Reese back in the house Saturday morning on ESPN. RD, great to catch up with you this morning. Reese is an Alabama homer. Oh, come on. All right. Sounds Jeez. Good. Hey, hey, you're just you're just jealous. You're just jealous, Key, and I'll tell you this. You're 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 glad after what I what I saw from that team uh, Monday night. You're just glad those Trojans didn't have to show up in Dallas early this year. I, hey, trust yeah, me. Thing, hey, we didn't have the last one time Hey Reese, get him, RD, get him. Hey Reese, if it's one thing that the pandemic did for me, if it's one thing that the pandemic did for me, it saved me from the beatdown. That's for sure. Hey. I, I tease you. I think SC's. I think SC's gonna gonna get it. Go. I'm a big Clay Helton fan. Great, great guy. Terrific coach. I think. I think they'll get that right. I really do. Hope so. Reese was referencing referencing there the opener, but I think it's an open and shut case when oh. it's USC and Alabama. RD, we'll see you on TV this weekend. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, RD. All right. See you guys. Right, see ya. On the way, All right, brother. Kyrie Irving alert. Our next guest is going to put Kyrie on blast, capital B-L-A-S-T. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. 
Wednesday, we set our sights on the NFL's divisional round. Tony Dungy will join me to break down the games, and we keep an eye on the coaching carousel as well. It's me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update. The situation between James Harden and the Rockets is getting worse. They got crushed by the Lakers last night by 17. Harden after the game, giving an emotional salvo, essentially telling the city of Houston and the Rockets fandom. I've done everything I can for you. They're off to the worst start of the Harden era. NBA trade deadline is March 25th. He's voicing his displeasure, but nothing yet has happened. Apparently, nothing is going to happen with changing the guard and the leadership of the Chicago Bears. It seemed like every single NFL analyst, almost everyone we talked to, said no chance Nagy's back. No chance his boss, Ryan Pace, is back. Well, it appears both are going to be back. That, according to our Bears insider, Jeff Dickerson, as you know, Chicago had their season ended in a wild card loss, super wild card loss, I guess you could say, to the Saints on Sunday. And while the NBA is trying to stay afloat, we should mention another league begins tonight. The NHL will begin a 56-game regular season. The defending champions of the Tampa Bay Lightning, they'll take on the Chicago Blackhawks. The betting favorite to hoist the Stanley Cup is the Colorado Avalanche in, thir- in search of their third Stanley Cup. And SportsCenter is brought to you by Indeed. Are you hiring? You need Indeed. Indeed immediately delivers quality candidates from their resume database when you upgrade your job post. It's that simple. Receive a $75 sponsored job credit on your first post at Indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. We talked about the NBA trying to stay afloat three years ago. The league's uh, three years ago, three days ago, the league <laughs> spokesman Mike Bass had to come out and tell the New York Times it's not going to be on pause. The fact that they had to come out and say that tells you how dangerous the situation is. Five games have been postponed this week already. Then you have the Harden situation and of course now the Kyrie situation. This was Jay Will's thoughts on what Kyrie is doing, especially with regard to the organization that he plays for. Jay uttered these words earlier this morning on the program here. If I do not want to be seen, you will not see me. Kyrie Irving wants to be seen. Don't get that twisted. He was actually on the Manhattan District Attorney's Candidates um, you know, Zoom call last night. And what he does in the community is incredible. I, I think it's actually something that is not spoken about enough about the money he gives back to the community, how he stands up for things like Black Lives Matter, things of that sort. But this is a major slap in the face to the Brooklyn Nets organization, beyond a slap in the face. 
And tonight, the Nets will take on the Knicks on ESPN. We welcome in now on the Goodyear Hotline, Jay's old teammate from College Game Day, Seth Greenberg. You see him on SportsCenter all the time talking about both college basketball and the NBA, and it's great to have his perspective here this morning. Seth, I know you are um, as passionate about this as anybody because you called in and wanted to express your views, so we'll give you the floor. What do you think about what's going on here with Kyrie Irving, Seth? Well, first of all, Zoom, come on. Jay Will's still my teammate. He's a little brother I never wanted, so I'm, I can't get Jeez, married, so You too? I mean, I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, look, here's the deal. I feel for Kyrie Irving. I think he has problems. I think he has issues. I think he needs help. Because, look, here's first and foremost. You guys were great players. You guys were on great teams. You competed for championships. One, first and foremost, the greatest sign of lack of respect of your teammates is being late. The only thing worse than that is not showing up at all and not communicating. But if we look at Kyrie Irving as a talent, incredible. I'm sure he's doing amazing things in the community. All those things are great. But just like, it's always something. The media, all right, I'm not going to be your pawn. I'm going to control my own messaging. You'll see by my actions and my words. Well, his actions are in words. What is he saying? I mean, he goes to Boston Garden. I'm going to be a Celtic for life. Then he goes back to Boston Garden. He He's getting rid of the evil spirits. Uh, then he's, you know, we don't need a coach. You know, Steve Nash gets hired. We don't need a coach. Uh, you know, it's just, to me, it's always something. The world is flat. Uh, I mean, you can go right. His mood swings are unhealthy. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm not a doctor. I'm not around him all the time. But if anyone else was behaving in this manner and a total lack of respect for the people that they're working for, the organization that we're working for, the players that they're working with, what would the response be? Because eventually, enough's enough. I don't care how much talent you have. I finally have a guy that I can trust. He played with LeBron James, the best player in the history of the game, maybe. And now he's got a player he can trust. It's always something. And someone needs to be able to reach out to him, sit him down and say, Kyrie, whatever's going on, whether it's family, whether it's an imbalance. I mean, look, mental health is, is a problem in the world right now more than ever. Whatever it is, we're here to help you. But we can't help you until you want to help yourself. And to me, he can't be a winning player. Can he make a big shot for Cleveland to help him win a championship? Yes. But he had issues in Boston with mood swings. He had issues in Boston with his teammates. He points fingers. Uh, he, he's unapproachable at times. I mean, these are real. And, you know, for everyone that's trying to mask it and find excuses uh, for his behavior, it, they're not doing him any good. As a coach, it's your responsibility to help your players. Well, so, so, sure Seth, so Seth, let me say this. Someone's let me say this, Seth. To help him. If you're Sean Marks, if you're Steve Nash, what do you do? I think you go right to the president. I think you suspend him and you, you basically put a parameter. You, you, you do a contract with him and his agent. And first of all, he has an agent, right? So, like... Who's his agent? All right. So his agent Rock Nation. He's with Rock Nation. Right now has to become his. All right. So Rock Nation. So like Rock Nation. Like here's your one of your one of your the, more, the best one of the best players in the, in the NBA. One of your prized clients. Right. Don't you think that Rock Nation should know the hows and the whys of what he is doing? Don't you think it's Rock Nation's responsibility as his teammate, as his mentor, maybe as his guiding light, to find out what is going on and help him navigate this situation because. This isn't the first situation. It happened in Cleveland. It happened in Boston. It's happening here. Uh, the, the, the behavior, quite honestly, if anyone else was doing this, uh, it would be 
unacceptable. And 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 we've seen what what's ha- what what's happened in the NBA. Uh, what's my man from uh, Dallas Mavericks, the Mark Cuban Celtic now, played at St. Joe's. I just uh, uh, who's had uh, some Jameer, of the mel- Jameer, mental health uh, issues. Not Jameer Nelson. Oh, Delonte West. Delonte West. Delonte West. I mean, like I'm not saying he's at that place, but I mean. There's something not right, and it's it's a shame because he's so talented. And, and Jay Will, I'm sure he's so giving, and I'm sure he's made you know he's made tremendous impact in different communities he's been in, and all that's great. But now he's got to help himself. Someone's got to help him. You know, we always talk about being the best version of yourself. He's obviously there's something going on there. You Seth, know, and, and someone's got to be able to reach out to him. Seth, if if Rock Nation, who, who represents him, who's his managers, and they kind of work with him, if he's not listening to them, if they are, let's assume they are doing their jobs and not just accepting a paycheck and sitting back, but he's not listening to them either. And I know Jay will ask you about what do what what about the front office? What do they do? If you got both situations and he's not listening to either, now what happens? He's bad. I mean, like he, we know how much he, he thinks of you know his relationship with his dad. I mean, someone's got to be there's every player, and you guys know it has a circle of influence. There's someone in that circle. There's someone in that circle that has the ability to reach out to him and connect with him. You know, Jay Will. I don't know. Maybe I'm, and I I know you have tried before. It might be you, Jay Will. I don't know who's in his circle, but there's someone in his circle. Every single player as a circle of influence. It started way back in youth basketball. It goes into recruiting process. It goes into when they get to the league. And I'm not talking about guys, posses. I'm talking about the circle of influence because posses, the player leads the posse. The posse doesn't lead the player. You know, it's not their guys. It's not the guys that they're hanging out with. It's someone that they look up to. Maybe it's Coach K. Maybe it's a, a former teammate. I don't know who it is. But, like, to me, uh, he's he's – Obviously a good human being. Obviously he's a magnificent talent. You look at it and you see it, and it, it's, it's, it, it hurts. If, if you care about the person and then you care about the game and the organization, it, it hurts to see this behavior. It's unnatural. It's, it, it's wrong. It's, uh, it, it's hurtful to him. So if someone's hurting themselves, you know, someone most times has what? An intervention. Who in his circle of influence can have an intervention with him and help him navigate what he's going through? Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. Total sense. Absolutely. Total sense. Love the visceral, raw, passionate, emotional response. I know this is near and dear to you. You wanted to get it out. You called the program to ask to come on, and we really appreciate you joining us. Key, you got something real quick? No, I was going to ask you, uh, Coach, do you have any dogs? Oh, yeah, he has I mean, Jake, Jake the Wonder, the Wonder dog. dog right here. Come on. Hey, Jay Will, come over. You, you take care of your guy. I mean, Jake the Wonder Dog right here. Of course I have a dog. Okay. I just, I, do you feed your dog chicken at times? Do I te- feed him chicken? Uh, Jake eats whatever I'm eating. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm just saying, Key feeds his dog halibut and carrots. Now, stop. <laughs> tune, tune, tune in tune in tomorrow tune in tomorrow for the show and you'll see Kate I mean do you do you, do you like you know, do you call like Fleming's and, and Capitol Grill and, uh, and you know, cater in or, no no is, no is, is red meat cloth? no red meat for the dogs man just chicken and every now and then they might get a little white fish Key, uh, uh, Seth Key allocates a budget on a Keto? quarterly ba- uh, quarterly basis for the for his dogs Hey, Jay Will, are they chasing it with Tito's or what? <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, 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 the other thing is James Harden, I love him. I love his game. But, like, the dude has a responsibility to be to training camp on time and the dude has a responsibility to be in shape coming to training camp. I, the crazy thing about the NBA is how can guys who are the best players in the league show up in training camp not in shape? It's crazy. You, man. It's absolutely crazy. Seth, thanks for breaking it down this morning on the college and NBA tip, and we know you'll be walking that dog around the block as you do all the time. Thank you, man. Thanks, buddy. All Thanks, right. man. Bye. Later. Jay thinks that's funny that you feed your dog human food. I, no, no. A halibut. We'll talk about high, it tomorrow. High price we, fish. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes. It's, I think that you're feeding him tilapia is Jay's yeah, point. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank into you, my, <laughs> Tune into my Greenberg show, Greeny, which immediately follows our show tilapia. on many of these ESPN radio. Flaky white fish. Come on. I know, but I don't like tilapia. <laughs> Greeny is joined by Tony Dungy and Bruce Smith, the Bills legend today from Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin right into Greeny. Weekday mornings on ESPN radio. Still to come, the NFL draft creeping closer. It's going to be a history-making night for one quarterback not named Lawrence or Fields. It's something you're not thinking about, but we'll put it on the forefront of your mind next. If they want to move, we might be able to bring him to L.A., though, for the Lakers. Him, LeBron, A.D., that's your whole team in cap space. Yeah, but that's all you need in a bunch of me's and you's. Hey, look, me's is different than you's. You better stop putting us in the same category. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And this one more thing is about one guy coming with you to the NFL draft on April 29th in Cleveland that's about to make history unlike any other quarterback. Now, listen, we spent all of our time talking about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and it's deserved because they both had tremendous college careers. But I want to talk about a guy that you may have heard of that we've discussed every once in a while that is going to be a household name soon enough because he's going to be a team starter in the next several months. And that is Trey Lance of North Dakota State. He's made 17 career starts, and for those of you that may know that follow the FCS game, the football championship subdivision, they have been by far the best team in that league, in that college football pantheon for about a decade. In fact, how good has North Dakota State been? They have won the Division I FCS championship, old 1AA, for those of you old enough for 1AA. Key, they won it, Jay, they won it in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2017, 2018, 
2019. This year, there was no FCS season, so they couldn't win it this year, though he did get one start against Central Arkansas. The reason I'm bringing that up is because the greatest accomplishment you could ask any Bison fan in Fargo anywhere that roots for North Dakota State is all those championships. What's better than those chips, as Jay would say, right? How many chips do they have? But if you ask the coaching staff, they will tell you maybe the most important thing about the Bison isn't all those national championships. It's a fact that they have a quarterback that is playing at the FCS level that is going to be an early entrant into the NFL draft. Think about it. You weren't recruited highly out of high school. You're going to the FCS. People are doubting your level of competition. You're dominating that competition, and you don't even wait until your senior year to come out. You are so good playing a quote-unquote lower level of football that you are going to bypass all of your eligibility that you've got left to go to the pros. How rare is this? Carson Wentz, a North Dakota State quarterback, turned out to be a really good one, obviously struggling at the moment, exhausted all of his eligibility. Jimmy Garoppolo played at Eastern Illinois. He exhausted all of his eligibility. Joe Flacco started at Pittsburgh, transferred to FCS Delaware, exhausted all of his eligibility. Tony Romo, who also played at Eastern Illinois, exhausted all of his eligibility, and all of those guys have gone on to have good to very good to great to excellent NFL careers. But they all took every drop of their eligibility because people told them, you need to go back and prove it and prove it and prove it again. Key, this kid out of the FCS is leaving early. It's a quarterback story to watch and one that is nearly unprecedented here. Well, I, I think that when you look at it, but it doesn't just have to be the FCS or any of the schools that you mentioned, the Delawares or the, the, the uh, Eastern Illinois. None, none, of the, none of those schools, right? It can be just pure talent. Mm-hmm. And he has enough talent that the evaluators can see with the little film that he has that he's capable of playing at the next level. When you think about the, the, you think about guys that have come from that division, you talk about Doug Williams, mm-hmm. Phil Sims, mm-hmm. uh, Super Joe, Bowl Joe, Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you start to think about some of those guys, they've gone on to win Super Bowls. So it's not uh, – think about basketball, Jay. Scottie Pippen, what was it, Central Arkansas? Correct. Mm-hmm. One of the top players of all time. No doubt, 50 grand. So it's, just, it's not the school you go to, although – if you go to the right school, you can be elevated and kicked up a notch, but it's all about your ability. It's really what it's about. You know what, Tuki? It's a level of intrigue, right? When you don't play for a while and you have that short little tape, people are like, man, but you see the way he did that? You see the way he's doing Don't put this? too much out there. I know, and that's the thing. Like You, you start, and you give, you, you make people want more. And I, I've been reading some of the reports, and I ask you this because I know this is your spot, Zubin. Is Drew Locke the answer long-term there in Denver? You got to sit right there at nine. Is Trey Lance a guy that you want there as a Bronco? Yeah, that's a guy they're going to have to reevaluate and evaluate over and over again. Again, we should mention that the Broncos haven't made the playoffs since Peyton Manning walked away in Super Bowl 50, and they've tried a variety of guys. Maybe Trey Lance will be their answer. Maybe that's the answer for the Broncos. Maybe the Jets had to say, we're going to drop down. We, we're done with Sam Darnold, but we're going to take Trey Lance and move on. We're going to drop down a few picks, and we, he's still sitting there. So he's going to have a spot to land, and he'll be playing on Sundays for sure for somebody in the National Football League next fall. That's a guarantee. 
And last thing I would say in our last couple of minutes, let's have a little fun. I don't think Trey Lance will ever be mistaken for anything other than a college legend, especially in Fargo. However, over the course of time, people have been mistaken for one another. In fact, the Raiders just hired Gus Bradley, the old Jacksonville coach, as their new defensive coordinator. When they put the statement out, the grandiose statement, he's joining the silver and black, they posted a picture of somebody not named Gus Bradley. They posted a picture of Ken Wisenhunt, who you might remember, old coach of the Cardinals. Those two guys, Wisenhunt, and Gus were together in Los Angeles with the Chargers from 2017 to 2019. Simple mistake. I guess it could happen. And it leads to, Jay, someone you were mistaken for back in the day. Yeah, Curtis Granderson. Kid stopped me at the airport asking for my autograph. His dad and him sat there, talked to me for about five minutes, signed the, the daggone autograph key, handed it back to the kid. He looks at me and says, you're not Curtis Granderson. I said, oh, thanks, kid. Awesome. <laughs> Great. And there's the visual proof really? you're watching this morning on ESPN News. The side by side. Do Keith, we? Keith does it? There is a resemblance. Yeah, he just if Jay got the facial hair. If Jay, if he had the facial hair, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, you know, it's past. Remember, they're passing by, so they're not like they just and they probably never met him up close in person. I would probably be like, oh, that's him. You know, if I was, yeah, for sure. Okay, all right, that's fine. I okay. mean, I know people don't like the. People don't like comparisons okay. of others, what they look like. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kevin to Gandhi, right? I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You, I, I'm sure. <laughs> it's happened. Has that not happened to you, Zubin? Kevin to Gandhi. I'll state it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ESPN on ESPN violence. Richard Jefferson actually said that to me. Our colleague what? Richard yes, Jefferson did it to me. Absolutely. When they first said I was working horrible. with you, I'm like, oh, the dude from Sports Center, Kevin Nagani. Uh, and then I realized, no, not no. Kevin Nagani. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.